Thank you, everybody. We got an awesome crew. Hey, we're a packed house today. I'm excited. We've had a week of prayer and fasting. It's been a great, great week. How many guys were able to come at least one time this week to worship with us, pray with us? I know we had several come, and we had a great, great time. It was awesome to be able to pray together and fast together. This Sunday's always an excited Sunday, and I'm sad to give it up, um, but I had an opportunity and a beautiful opportunity for our church to bring in um, a special guest speaker, Ernie Kruger, who's an evangelist here with uh, Every Nation. More than evangelist, he's a pastor, he's a director of campus ministry in Dallas. He does everything. He is just an amazing man of God. And so I, I want to say a couple of things, and I want to invite him up. But uh, I do want to remind you again, we will be starting two services. As you see, we are packed in here, and our kids' church is even more packed, um, trying not to break fire code and things like that, but going close. And so we've got to go into two services, and we're super excited about it. Um, not this next week, but the next. So next week, Campus Sunday, it's going to be powerful. We've got Earl Smith going to bring a powerful word at campus. Uh, wear your colors, your alumni colors, and come prepared. It's going to be fun. But today... God is here today, and he's got something special for you. And I want to invite Ernie Kruger to come up. We love Ernie. And we want to bless you. Bring a strong word today, man. Wow. Well, this is a great church. Uh, if we lived in Houston, we would definitely attend here. That's for sure. Um, thank you, God. What a great day. If you're on campus staff, would you please stand? I see we've got some people from Dallas in the house too. Abby, would you want to join us? Uh, we've got some, we've got, we just, we just need to brag on one of the daughters of this house. Is Sarah here? Where's Sarah at? Sarah, no, uh, we've got Sarah and there's another Sarah. There we go. So y'all raised up a mighty worship leader. She worships, um, leads worship for us on our campus. And I'm telling you, I got a little bit nervous to worship after, to preach after this good worship. But then the Lord reminded me, but Sarah is just as good because she comes from here. So thank you, Sarah, for everything you do. Abby Dew is one of our missionaries that, that's, that's going to the School of Ministry. And Earl, Sarah, thank you for your um, efforts on the campus. Is Cassie, right? Carrie, there we go. Carrie, there we go. So, I'm sorry. Carrie. All right. My heart is on the campus, but I find myself living in the community, church community as well on the campus. And, you know, obviously every nation is a church-based campus ministry, so we value the local church and the campus very much. Pastor Chris and Casey, you guys are just too kind to us. Whenever we come here, I'm, we just feel like we're superheroes. We're like, wow, they, they really roll out the red carpet for us and show us hospitality. And so, Pastor Chris, thank you so much. All the elders here, Scott, um, Jay, Eric, thank you so much for y'all's love and, and compassion. We really appreciate you guys. Let's pray and feel like the Lord's given me a strong word for the church. And, and I want to just bring this with all my heart and uh, hopefully... Um, you know, it would speak to our hearts. Father, we thank you so much that we can gather this morning. Thank you, Lord, that this is a day that you have made. God, we rejoice in this day. This is a gift from heaven that we get to live this day. Father, we pray that you would bless this day. I pray as your word goes forth, Lord, let it not return void, but thank you that it will accomplish everything that you have sent it forth to, to do and accomplish. We worship you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for the, for the fact that we can even stand here and talk about you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Before I get in the Word, I have a really amazing passage. You can, pay, you can go to Exodus 32 in your Bible if you want to. But before we get there, I've got a couple of pictures I want to show. And just kind of sh- just testify a little bit, share our testimony from what's going on in Dallas. Um, are you all ready back there for me? Um, is that, yes, good, great. So you, you'll see, um, that's Amadi. He's a Nigerian student at UNT getting baptized. So what we do is when people get saved, we walked into the heart of our campus. We've got this fountain, so it's a little illegal, but I think it's okay. It's for a good cause. And so we baptize them in the fountains in the heart of our campus to make a statement to say, we are here to take some ground. We're not just here in our little corner hoping that y'all don't push us off. We are here to take, this is my daddy's ground. We are here to take it. So can you go to the next picture real quick, Amadi? That, that guy right there, that young man, is an amazing guy from Liberia um, yeah, that got born again. So we are reaching the nations on our campus, which is a, another reason why we do campus ministry. He was sent to America when he was three years old by his family to, and hope for a better future. We led him to the Lord a couple months ago, and he's on fire for Jesus. Wants to take the gospel back to his family and community, um, a large Muslim population where he comes from. So uh, next picture really quickly. Um, there we go. So that young man right there, I'm going to leave him, lame, leave him nameless. His mom and dad are illegal immigrants from uh, Latin America, came to our campus, got radically born again. Mom and dad doesn't know Jesus, and now he's sharing the gospel with mom and dad. Um, and again, that's another reason why we do campus ministry. Is there one more picture? Is that it? All right, that, one, that guy right there is from Haiti. Got baptized, um, you know, a great young man, counted the cost, took him a few months to decide whether he wants to follow Jesus and laid on everything, and he did. He's changing the world. We've got one more picture I want to show. A native Houstonite, uh, Connor. So in the front row, you've got Jordan, who's one of our um, football players from UNT's fiance. Jordan, thanks for being here today. Um, her, so that's Colton on the left standing. Col- Connor's in the middle. Colton on the left. I'm on the right, obviously, there with my Iron Man beard. Um, and Colton said, hey, listen, I want to start sharing my faith. Can you help me? So we said, great. Have you heard of the God test and the one-to-one? That's, that's about as much as we're going to help you. And so we started this. And Colton has effectively led about 10 of his teammates to the Lord, um, give or take. And Connor is one of them. And we saw Connor come into a Bible study for, just completely lost and broken. And we saw as we preached the gospel, his face lit up. And by the end of the meeting, we say, if you want to be all in for Jesus, just say yes right now. And he jumps up and he says, yes. And the moment he said yes, he got filled with the Spirit of God. And his life is so different. He smoked pot all the time. I mean, he just, he felt like he was losing his mind. His football career was coming to an end. His life was just deteriorating. And God resurrected that man's life. In fact, he just told me a couple weeks ago, he was down in Houston for the first time since he got saved. And he led his best friend to the Lord. While he was taking his best friend to, uh, through the one-to-one, someone heard him in Waffle House, and that's a good place for the discipleship meetings if you want it. Um, so you, you say, listen, after this meal, we might die, so you better get saved right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, so, so someone overheard him talk about Jesus, and literally, he started preaching to this family. Now, Connor has been saved maybe four months, and here he's in Waffle House. His buddy is watching him just preach to strangers, you know, so thank Jesus for what he's doing. Thank you so much, guys, for showing that. Y'all can give God a hand. That's all Jesus. 
we, uh, we baptized about 45 students just last semester. Um, you know, so UNT is kind of called like a little Austin. You know, Denton where we live, uh, it's a very liberal campus. So it's not like we're in a kind of a, in a campus where people are leaning towards Jesus, where, um, you know, we, we're not very welcome. Our message is not very welcome. But, you know, I've learned that God doesn't really care about what people think. His love changes everything. So, awesome. Let's get on the Word. Would you please stand with me? We have this little um, culture we're developing on our campus where we stand just in honor of God's Word. It's not really scriptural. You don't have to stand to read. But we just feel like it gives God some honor. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 14 if that's okay. All right. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up. Make us gods who shall go before us. Just remember, these are people that just was led by God out of Egypt. And now they're already looking back very quickly. As, as for Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. He's somewhere with God on a mountain. Okay, so Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving, with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, um, tomorrow shall be the feast of the Lord, capital L. So Aaron is trying to kind of act like they're worshiping the real God. And he doesn't really want to give in to it, but he's kind of giving in to it. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings um, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people who you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf um, and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, um, these are our gods of Israel who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. God's pretty mad about this because uh, it's false. And, then the, and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, this is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and that I may consume them, in order that I may, take a, may make a great nation out of you. And Moses is thinking, oh boy, my family is a part of them people. But Moses implored the Lord. He implored the Lord, his God, and he said, oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Jacob, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self that you, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven. And, uh, um, and all this land that I've promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of, bringing on his people. Please be seated. All right. So my main objective today is to remind you of the power of the blood of Jesus. Now you might ask yourself, Ernie, we're next. It is not in 
you know, the Gospels. Well, you know, if you really study the Bible carefully, you'll see that Christ has always been there from the very beginning. That you always are, when you study text, you've got to ask yourself, where is Jesus in this text? And you've got to find him. It's, it, it sometimes takes some time, but it's necessary. We've got to find him. Let me just take a little sip. We did an engaged training yesterday, so I really wore my voice out. All right. So the first point that I want to make out of this text for us, one is back in verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us God. So the moment the man that God has appointed to lead his people out of captivity into the promise, shows them signs and wonders, miracles. The moment he's gone, 40 plus days, boom, they start doubting. Anyone know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you see a miracle. You haven't had time to meet with, meet with your pastor or a leader. And all of a sudden you start doubting the goodness of God. You start taking steps back. Your, your mind starts listening and entertaining thoughts that maybe just God's done with you or he's not hearing you. So the first point I want to make is God needs leaders to lead his people. As a Christian... You are not just a Christian that comes and hibernates in church, hiding from the world. You come here to be strengthened in your faith, to go into the world and provide leadership. People in Houston are needing leadership. If they knew what to do, they would not mess themselves up and harm themselves as much as they do. We all understand that the moral compass of culture and society is a little bit off. Am I right? It doesn't take a long time to figure out, hey, something ain't right over here. Something is wrong. Something isn't kosher. But let me just go back. Let's take one step back. Let's go to Genesis 1, verse 26 and 28. But because Moses wasn't born a leader, God had to make him a leader. You weren't born a leader. God's making you a leader. But before you can be a leader for Jesus, you've got to allow him to lead you. Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them come and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God, verse 27, created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him male and female. Verse 28, and God blessed them. It's perfect relationship. God is a God of blessing not a God of cursing. God is for us, not against us. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, Adam and Eve, and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on this earth. So what do we see here? God's original intent for us as humans is to be rulers of his creation. Now let me ask you this, are you ruling in Houston? Are you ruling in your company? Are you ruling culture? Are you allowing culture to take you where you don't want to go? Are you allowing yourself to just fall in the, in the sad little cycle of culture that it, that it scoops you up and it spits you out there where no one wants to be at? Are you seeing the moral decay and just standing back and from the outside looking in saying, oh, that's bad, that's terrible. Or are you jumping right in the middle of the, 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 the current and saying, no, 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 with God in me, I'm going to go against this. Now, if you don't find that strength inside of you, I want to point you to Scripture and say, hold on. God has to first, before you subdue creation, you have to allow Jesus to subdue you. See, when sin came into this world, all of us became wild. 
Something really terrible happened. The virus of evil is no longer just around us. It's actively living inside of us. And God knew that therefore, when God gave that original command, we saw his heart. But something happened just a couple chapters later. And Adam and Eve completely went south. And then it started this terrible journey where God started unfolding and showing them, hold on. At some point, I'm going to have to come back and subdue you. And then we go back to Exodus, and here God started the journey. Over 400 years in captivity, finally God heard the prayers of the Israelites. People were crying out to God, God, help us. God, don't leave us. God, sin is terrible. We hate this. God, we want to come back to you. When we come to Jesus, do we forget about the people God saved us from, or are we imploring God on their behalf? Are we earnestly, desperately crying out to God, saying, God, I'm so thankful, but God, my friends are not saved. My family is not saved. My city needs you, Jesus. It's the truth. So quickly do we forget. We, we take the blessings of God and, whoo, hallelujah, and we feel great. Bills are paid. Maybe some of them. Life's good. God's good to his people. He's good to those who, who, who loves him, who serves him. But are we losing sight of the very essence of our role as God's children? It's not just to be blessed, but it's to become a blessing. And how do we bless people just by walking and saying, hey, God bless you. Hey, God bless you. Hey, God bless you. Hey, God bless you. No, we bless people by taking the message that has ultimate power to them, bringing it to them so they can be transformed just like we have been transformed. I love reading this narrative as you read through Genesis and you study that passage in Scripture. It's, it's so powerful. Moses is up on the mountain. The only reason Moses, I believe, didn't turn from God is because he was with God. It's a little nugget right there for you. If you don't spend time with Jesus, you'll be a part of the people that turns from him. It doesn't take much to turn us away from God. You've got to seek him every day. With all your heart. And he said, he promises that if you seek me with all your heart, that you will find me. I look at Christians so often and I, th I think, and I I'm not looking at Christians like somehow I'm not a part of them. I'm one of them. I look at myself and I think, wow, how quickly do I forget God's love and his mercy for my culture? You know, we, uh, we, we stayed in a hotel here in Houston. Very nice hotel. Thank you, Pastor Chris. And um, I checked in and the guy that was um, that helping us, you know, he had some, some feminine ten tendencies, you know, and, um, you know, I, I was molested when I was six years old by someone that, you know, was molested by his father who is now living in a homosexual relationship back in South Africa. So in my heart, I've always battled, when I got old, I kind of battled a little bit of anger towards homosexual people, forgetting that, hey, God loves that man and the sin I lived in is not better than the sin he's stuck in. That in the power that saved me from my sin is the same power that wants to save this man from his sin. And for a moment, just for a moment, I stood there and I pulled out my card and my, I could feel my flesh wanting to take over. Anyone tracking what I'm saying? It might not, that might not be it for you, but you have something else that triggers you. And I remember the Holy Spirit just saying to me, you need to love this man. Show him my love. In fact, pray for this man. Implore me, implore, implore on his behalf, implore me on his behalf. Cry out to me, seek me earnestly for this man's brokenness. I want to read something really quickly to you guys. I was, um, how many of y'all are aware of spiritual warfare? Anyone, anyone, especially this past week, anyone know I'm talking about? You, God, I'm fasting. Why am I being beat up? 
Like, what's going on? I thought this is a holy thing, and now all of a sudden I'm in an extra level, in an extra level fight. Um, and, and that's exactly what I felt like last week. Um, and uh, I was uh, going to work, I think it was Thursday, and I had to go sit down, and I normally sit at a Starbucks in, in, in Denton, close to our campuses, to get some work done. And I felt like two of the world's strongest men are trying to press down on my head, and I'm thinking, why am I feeling so heavy? Like I just, it's like something just wraps around me and I'm thinking, am I sick? Did something bad happen? I can't figure out what's going on. We're about to come to Houston. We've got a message from Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. God gave me this message a long time ago. And so I'm thinking like, Lord, what's going on? This is, you know, this is unusual. And it was an unusual amount of pressure that I felt. And of course you start in, instantly jumping to the fact that maybe something is wrong. God, that I sin. You start, Lord, show me my sin. Jesus, you start, you know, you start acting like somehow all of a sudden sin crept in and you didn't even know where it came from. And, and like, okay, God, just, just search me, oh Lord. Search me. Let, let, the, let, the, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. And you almost like anxiously start crying out to God. And, and at some point I heard the voice of God just say, hey, go sit somewhere where it's quiet. And just let me minister to you. So I said, okay, good. This is a good time to encourage me. Thank you. And I pulled up at this little pond in, in Denton and I sat down and there was no one there. This cold front was moving in, so there was no one really outside. And, uh, and I just put my chair back in my car and I sat back. And you know, it's interesting. Whenever you feel attacked, you don't really find yourself thinking about other people. When you're under attack, you become a little irrational. You kind of lose that edge. You, 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 know, you know what I mean? Like you're so confident and then you feel someone gets in your face. Okay, okay, no, 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 okay, just leave me alone. You, you just want to, like the self-preservation mode and this kind of emergency mode kicks in. And I felt that. I was like, man, this is a work day for me. There's people in the Starbucks I've been reaching out to and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lead to Jesus, you know, people that works there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like, and all of a sudden I can't even go into the shop. I feel so heavy. I'm sitting in my car like, why am I feeling so heavy? And so boom, I pull up, I sit back, I lean back in my car. And I just closed my eyes and I said, God, just minister to me. And I feel the Holy Spirit's peace and joy come over me. And I could feel slowly but surely the Lord said, just be still and know that I'm your God. And I'm laying there and I can feel and the heaviness is slowly lifting. It's slowly, and that's when I realized, oh, this was deeply spiritual. This is tremendous. This is real spiritual warfare because the devil knows where I live and he knows why I come to his city. The principalities that's been reigning and ruling over our city for a long time, they know when God's children shows up. If you don't know that, I'm here to tell you that you are involuntarily in a war. That's just the bottom line. No one told me that before I got saved. I felt like I got tricked into it. I said, God, what I want is happiness, constant just joy, everlasting joy. But isn't that so not true about the real Christian walk? Isn't it so often we find ourselves in fights and wars and we, we, we don't even know how to get through it sometimes. And we feel like, man, if God doesn't step in, my ship's going to sink. And as I sat there and the Lord started ministering to me, I wrote this down actually. I said, and I'm going to read this to you guys. I believe that this is something that I think all of us as the body of Christ need to embrace. And it ties to uh, Exodus 32. He says, this is a spiritual pressure. A pressure that I do not believe God called me to live under. Thank God. So I came to a little pond in Denton to be still before my God, knowing that He is the all-powerful one. I can literally feel the Holy Spirit pulling the pressure off of me. This is getting lighter as I'm writing this. 
as I'm writing this down, I can feel the joy of the Lord coming back in and the heaviness the lifting. My God is working on my behalf, pushing back darkness off of my back as I'm his son. I'm his son, okay? It's important to remember that. A prayer wall came to me instantaneously. I believe the Lord wants me to start building a prayer wall around Denton. I believe that God desires me to do mighty things in the city of Denton. Right before this all happened, I wanted to get out of Denton. I was like, I don't think God is here anymore. I think I need to go. I think I need to leave. Whatever I'm feeling is not good. I, I'm just not feeling this in my house. So let me go to another city maybe or another neighborhood. When you feel resistance, sometimes it doesn't mean you got to walk away. Sometimes it means if that's resistance, don't get away from it. Run to it. Say, come on, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. When you feel resistance in your job, in your workplace, in your family, don't run from it. If you feel um, resistance in relationships, don't run from it. Say, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. The name that's above every other name. But see, for a moment, I didn't feel that way. I wanted to get away. And then I, st I stood there and I, I kept writing and I said, I believe that God desires to do mighty things in the city of Denton. Just a couple minutes ago, I felt like I was going to die in Denton. See, we need God's perspective. But we need to get to Him, like Moses on the mountain, to stay with Him and keep His perspective. But like Nehemiah built a physical wall to keep robbers and thieves out of Jerusalem, I believe that God wants us to start building a prayer wall around our city. To resist the principalities aiming to blind people, oppress people, and to lie to people and deceive them and keep them from the gospel. And this is something I want to charge us with as a body today. Jeremiah built a physical wall, but I believe that God's calling us to build a prayer wall around our neighborhood, around our campuses, around our communities, around our city. And so I started driving right there. I said, God, I don't, I don't, I don't need to hear any more, God. I got in my car. I started driving this couple mile radius around my campus and my city, praying in the name of Jesus. And I, I, I held my phone up, pretending like I'm on the phone so people don't think I'm crazy. In the name of Jesus, God, I command in the name of Jesus, your angels. And all of a sudden, I had a vision, just like Elisha had of angels surrounding my city and I saw it and I thought golly that's crazy that I just saw it because I've read it but I've never seen it and I felt the confidence of God the Holy Spirit just well up inside of me and God reminding me of his heart and his will for my city if you feel a little sense of defeat in your city and your community in Houston don't buy it don't buy it. I would encourage you to go to the Word of God and see how do we change it. How do I bring change to my city? You know, yours, one of the biggest lies in Ephesians 1, Paul was saying, my prayer for you is that God, let me just read it so I don't mess it up. Let me just go to Ephesians 1. You can make a note of this if you want to. It's powerful. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. We've got to remember that. He says, my prayer for you, I remember you in my prayers, that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Say revelation. We need God's revelation. He needs to reveal something to us in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that you may know what, what is the hope to which you have been, that he has called you and what are, the, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? You are here not by accident. 
You are not in City Life Church hibernating, hiding from the devil. Oh, it's cold out there. Let me just come and get all warm and fuzzy in the house of the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Take the heat out there. Take his name out there. Thank God we don't come in our own name. I'm so thankful that my name is not the most important thing in my life. That is the name that's above every other name that I come in that's so important and so powerful. Isn't that crazy? That's the God that you serve. The same blood that saved you is waiting to save many others. Let's go to Revelations 5, 9. I'm going to end on this really quickly. It's like a plane that just, I feel like I flew from Dallas to Houston. We're barely in there. We've got to come back down. I've got a, already got help coming up to help me close this out. <laughs> He's like, brother, you're going too fast. All right, Revelations 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, say blood. You ransom a people for God from every tribe, every tongue, and every people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God. And they shall reign on this earth. As a Christian, you don't let culture tell you how to live your life. You implore God on behalf of your culture until you see transformation and the change that you want to see in your culture. If you see something in your house or in your family or in your marriage or in friendships or in relationships or in your church, you don't go and say, just give in to it and settle for it. You say, God, I'm coming. I'm imploring you on behalf of my church and this people and whatever it is you're facing. And God, I'm standing and believing that you put me here to bring your change. Psalms 4.3 said, God has set aside the righteous for himself and he hears when they cry out to him. If you've been made right, if you're a righteous person, it means you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. You've accepted his gift of free grace to you by faith. And now when you pray, heaven's listening. When you implore him, he's hearing you. The change that you desire to see, you are called to bring. If not you, who? If not you, who? If not his children. If not his ambassadors. Who? Where, where must people go? Where must the brokenhearted go if not to us? Where must those that is desperately needing help and looking for it in cuts or in another extramarital affair, where must they go to, to find hope if not to you? Every child of God in this room, I want to implore you. I want to earnestly exhort you. Take up your call from heaven take up God's call say God I'm going to employ you on behalf of my city God this is not about us just having good worship and having a good word and, and loving each other God's love is not just designed for those who love him it's designed for to go and save those who don't know him God loves the world that he gave himself not just you and me he loves the world he loves them. The people that we resist, the people that we resent, that we forget that we were once just like them in our sin, dead. He loves them. I want to implore you to build a prayer wall around your community, your campus, your city, whether it means you're physically walking around and praying or whether it means you take time in the day to pray on your way to work, switch off your radio, stop watching Netflix. It ain't saving, it's not saving nobody's life. Now don't, I'm not saying you can't watch it ever. My wife will say, honey, that was a little too strong because I like a little Netflix. 
and there's a time for everything, but don't let your life be consumed and don't let what the world throws at you make you forget what God's called you to do. As a believer, evangelism, which really means a carrier of the good news or the carrier of good news, just taking the good news to your culture and community, it's a mandate from heaven. It's a mandate. It's not an option. It's a mandate. But see, we don't have courage for the mandate because we forget. We forget because we're not reminded by Him who we are. See, there's still power in the blood. The blood is still enough for Houston. The blood still saves those 45 students that we just talked about that, that got baptized into Christ. More people have prayed a prayer, but we can account for about 45 of them. It, the blood is still effective to change lives. The blood still works. There's no greater solution. There's nothing else new that came along. Let's stand together, please. I want to close with Ephesians 2, and I want to pray this over us. I just love, this is, this is my life scripture. It's my life verse. It's one of the first scriptures that I really... I saw in a new light through the grace of God and changed me forever and I could never forget this. And I'll, I'll, if I have a chance, encourage anyone to read it. Paul writes the church in, in Ephesus. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Saying God came to you, God's grace, God's strength, God's provision for you and your faith in Him and Him alone has saved you. This is not your own doing. This is a gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's no one here that's more saved. All of us are at the mercy of God and saved by the grace of God. Thank God. Thank Jesus. It keeps us humble. There's no one that's more elevated in the eyes of God. Positions does not equal value, okay? Your value is in the cross. Your value is not tied to your title or your position. It's tied only to the blood of Jesus. And Paul's reminding them of that. It's not a result of works so that no man may boast. Verse 10, he says, we are his workmanship. Masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. Allow him to paint on you like a canvas, like an uh, expert painter just painting on you. Don't resist him. Don't hide from him. Don't disqualify yourself. God, I can't do this. Don't believe the lies you can't. Say, God, with you, nothing shall be impossible. Luke 1, 32. I know with me, nothing is going to happen, but God, because you're in me, nothing is impossible. Then he says this, listen, we are his masterpiece, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, which, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, before we even existed. There are people that you have been divinely ordained to reach for the, God, for the glory of God through the gospel of Jesus. It's your, it's your job. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm called. There's people to wait, is waiting in this city, in families, maybe in neighboring cities, to hear about Jesus from your mouth. And when, you're, when the words come out of your mouth, it's going to be like no other time. And you're going to see the gospel go out like a sword and cutting their soul. And they're going to be like, Ooh, I don't know what you just said, but it hit me deep. Isn't that amazing? And you sit down with people and you pull out the word, the gospel, and you know, I'm just, man, this morning I just had to brush my teeth and put on my pants the same way you did. And all of a sudden you get to the word of God and, ooh, and people are moved by the word. They're moved by the word of Christ. 
And a couple minutes later, you see them saying, I need to give my life to Jesus. And you think, God, I can't believe you're using me to do this. But you act like, you know, you're, you're meant to be there, you know. But in your heart, you're like, God, this is crazy. It's happening. Don't neglect your calling. There's works that He prepared for you. And there's many works, but I'm, sp I'm speaking specifically of the work of reaching people that don't know Him. Let's just, if you would, if it's okay with you, if you're not comfortable, don't do it. But if you want to just lift your hands to heaven and say, God, I want you to use me, God. Lord, use me in your city. Lord, I pray for every hand that's lifted up today. Father, may you use us to be ambassadors, God. Will you put us to work in the city of Houston, God? from the north, the east, the south, and the west corners of this city. God, may we bring the good news that Jesus Christ was born, that He died, and that He was raised from the dead, Father God, proving that He is the Son of God, offering salvation to anyone who would believe in His name. Father, let we, let, let we be Your people. Lord, here am I, send me, Father. Send those hands that's up in this room. Father, use us mightily, God. Lord, let us not ever believe less than what you say, that your blood is still powerful and will still save and that we are still called to implore you on behalf of your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.